I can't be the only person that cringes every time Nick swings an ax at his own foot. I have seen that already a number of times. I get to see it four times a weekend. And I'm pretty sure that over the course of this eight-week series, I'm going to look away every time it happens. Um, I just, it's... I, that's just crazy. It's, but hey, we're excited to continue uh, Sandals Summer and all that is happening. I'm excited that I get to, to bring a message to you uh, this weekend and all that is happening. It's a fun series as we're talking about different opportunities in Scripture and different passages in Scripture that either talk about feet, that talk about sandals, that talk about footwear, um, going and what, what God is doing. It's kind of crazy. The first time I heard it and Pastor I was like, we're going to do a series called Sandal Summer. I was like, oh, that sounds fun. What's it about? And he's like, feet. And I was like, oh, we're that church now. All right. Um, so, but it's been so much fun going through and looking at each of, the, each of the weeks. And I would say this, although it is a series together, each week we're looking at a different verse. So it doesn't build off of each other. If you miss a week, um, don't worry, jump right back in. If you're here today and this is your first weekend, uh, you didn't miss, you, you did miss some things earlier. I encourage you to go back, but it's, it's not building off of that. You didn't miss anything for this weekend. You're gonna jump in right on the same page as everybody else. But I do encourage you this, last weekend, um, I was on vacation with my family and I caught up. I watched online. Uh, I encourage you, if you miss a weekend, go watch online. Uh, you, you, crazy things happen. You never want to miss a week. I promise you this weekend, I won't turn the lights off on you. Um, if you're here last weekend, you got that. Uh, I was watching again online and as the Apple Valley campus pastor, who a lot of times will receive emails when malfunctions happen, when my screen went black, I was like, what did we do wrong? Like, what, what's going on? And then the lantern pops on. And I was like, okay, it was planned. We're all good. But I had a moment. I had a moment. And uh, I encourage you, if you miss a week, go online. For those of you that are joining us online, even right now, we're so excited that you did. We're so excited that even if you're gone and this is your church home, that you've made a commitment to stay in community with us. And we thank you so much for that. But we're going to move on into today. Uh, we got a fun topic today again. And I'm excited as we start talking about sandals and shoes and feet because uh, a little window into my past back before my life and my finances were wrapped up in um, family and children um, I loved shoes I still do love shoes I just can't invest as much time there and uh, so when I came to the cities I came as a student to North Central University my first job was at Champ Sports in the Mall of America and it was one of those moments for me that I had nothing to do with how much money I made. It was, it was feeding into my own addiction and I enjoyed it. As long as I just broke even, I was all right. Um, so we had shoes even, it got to the point where my senior year, I lived with two other guys. One of them worked at Champs with me as well. The other one just tried to use our discount all the time. And when we were, when we were living in our studio apartment that was there, we had kind of the, the kitchen and living room was all one big space. And on top of the cabinets is where everyone else would put like little flowers or plants and, and stuff like that to make it look homey. We actually decorated our apartment with shoe boxes. So we had, I mean, we had to have had 30 shoe boxes on top of all of our cabinets. And my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, she was my girlfriend. She would come over, fiance at the time. And she'd be like, seriously, guys, what are you doing? We're like, it's a splash of color. You got the orange Nike boxes. You've got, it's just, I mean, it, it made sense to us. And so it worked. That was just what we did. It was how we would display our collections. And um, I will have to say this. And I'm not sure how many guys are with me on this. Um, but when I got married, I had more pairs of shoes than my wife. 
So I'm just going to even say this, even in the moment. Guys, if you will even admit this, I just need to find out if I'm the only one in our entire campus all weekend long. If you had more pairs of shoes than your wife, maybe currently or at one point in your life, you just want to raise up your hand and step out with me. Thank you. Look at us. See, sandal summer is perfect for us. This is amazing. Um, this, I, I think, I think I saw like other people raising their hands for dad in that. Um, but uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a great time. We're going to dive into Isaiah chapter 52 today though. So if you want to open up there, if you want to, whether you have your Bible or you have your phone and you want to get to Isaiah chapter 52, we are going to go uh, to the verse. It's Isaiah 52, 7. And we're going to start there. And I'm going to do this as you're, as you're going there, as you're getting there, we're, we're going to read this, but I want to do this because there's, we don't do it often, but I'm going to ask you to stand, even right now. We're going to stand for reading the word. It's a moment. We don't do it here as a church all the time, but there is a moment of respect for the word of God. And also, I'm going to ask you to do something right after we read it, and, and the standing posture is going to be better for you. So let's read our verse this weekend. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So here's the question today. While you're still standing, take a look at your feet. And my question is, are your feet beautiful? Yes, are your feet beautiful? Some of you are chuckling. Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to answer that question. Uh, don't ask for opinions around you. Uh, you might not want to know. But that's what we're going to address today. We're going to answer that question is, are your feet beautiful? You can go ahead and grab your seat. Um, Let's look first and foremost into the book of Isaiah. All right, so, so we're, we're going to be spending a lot of the first part of, of the service in Isaiah. So we're going to give you some background on Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet who's writing in a time of, of amazing political, military, economic, and social upheaval. All right? There's a lot happening when he's writing to the people of Israel. The, actually, the nation of Israel split the, into Israel and Judah. So there's, there's civil war happening uh, between the family of Israel, the nation of Israel. They have outside influence coming in. Assyria is attacking them. Uh, Isaiah even talks about it's not, Isaiah that, it's not Assyria that will take over Jerusalem, but actually Babylon. And Babylon's not even completely a world power yet, but he's prophesying. So there's these amazing things that are happening. There's so much upheaval in the world around him. And even when I was studying this, uh, I have to be honest with you, it, it, the parallels to today jumped out to me. And it made me realize something. Too often we look at this book for historical context of what we believe instead of what it is, is and what it is is it's alive and active and speaking to our day, our today, not just our yesterday. Yes, there's a whole lot of information and there's a whole lot of history in here of what happened that has got us to where we're at um, in, in salvation and Christianity. There's a whole lot of background that is there. But even more than that, it speaks to our today. It's not just a glimpse into the past. And it just jumped out at me today, this, this week, the last couple of weeks as I was studying through Isaiah and what he was writing in. When you look at our world, there's amazing chaos that's going on right now. You've got terrorist attacks all over the world. You've got shootings even in our own country that are happening. When you look at the political landscape of our country right now, uh, when you look at the political landscape of the world, you've got the Brexit last week where the United Kingdom voted to come out of the European Union. You look at our political landscape with the candidates that are running and all the, the craziness that is happening there. We're in the midst of times just like Isaiah. So when we read through Isaiah, 
It's not something that we can read through like, oh, it must have happened back then. Look at it even as today is happening. And then when we look at the person of Isaiah, Isaiah is a prophet. He's a guy who um, is, is writing to a, a nation, writing to a people, but is also talking about what is going to happen. He's foretelling the future as God is downloading it to him and saying, here's what's going to happen. He's writing it down and letting the people know what God is saying, both in their, mo- in their midst right there, what's going to happen and how, he's, how God is going to respond to that in the future. Because of that, Isaiah is actually the second most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament behind the Psalms. What I mean by that is Isaiah over and over jumps up in the New Testament. Most of the time it's because of the prophecies that he's writing and they'll say, as prophesied in Isaiah, here's what came to fruition. Or, or even Jesus, Jesus himself in Luke chapter four goes to the temple. He opens the scroll as he's teaching and he reads Isaiah and he talks about the Redeemer is coming, the Messiah is coming. And then he rolls up the scroll and he says, here in your midst, you are witnessing this coming to fruition. He's saying, I am I'm fulfilling the prophecy that's even there. So I would say this, if Jesus read Isaiah, you should probably read Isaiah, all right? So just go for it and, and read it. But um, another part of that that, that I've been praying for since, since studying Isaiah and, and studying uh, the person of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, that it was just laid on my heart is um, I've been praying for our church for more of the prophetic. And what I mean by that, and I even shared this with, with our staff in our, in, our, in our prayers, it wasn't all staff, it was leaders. We were here before services um, today and we got together and prayed. And, and I said, I believe that all of this is so often we talk about prophets and we talk about them as Old Testament or what we see as people claiming to be prophets in our day and age are people who are like crazy and they stand up and disrupt services and yell, thus saith the Lord and speak in this like crazy old king's language. Um, and it's just, that's, that's what we, we have in our mind of, of prophets. But the truth of the matter is, as we find out, even in, in 1 Corinthians is talking about gifts of the spirit, prophecy is still a gift of the spirit that's alive and active today. And my prayer for our church, and this isn't, has anything to do with even the message today, but I hope that somebody grabs this um, even, even today. Um, my prayer for our church is that we have a prophetic voice. Not A meaning one, but we as a church collectively, there's a prophetic voice. We're going after God. We're saying, God, what, is, what, is, what do you want us to do? Where do you want to send us? Uh, what is the message you would want us to bring to those that are around us? And I wanted to even read this over our church, and it's 1 Corinthians 12, 31, that says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I encourage you, if you've stopped praying for your spiritual giftings, continue it today. Continue it in this moment. We have to be a church that goes after all that, that God has for us. It's not just something that we read about. It's not just prophets that we read their stories in the Old Testament, but it's also a way for us to, to model our lives and say, God, we want that. I want to be the person that says, no, 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 there's a redeemer that's coming. I want to be the person that, that is able to say, this is what the Lord said to me, and it's directly for you. And I believe that we need to have that voice. So as we dive back into that verse, though, um, the Isaiah 52, 7 says once again this, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, and who proclaim salvation who say to Zion, your God reigns. The context of the verse now that we've talked about, the context of the book itself is this, is um, for most of the first part of the book, Isaiah is talking about destruction. 
He's talking about captivity. He's talking about um, what has happened to the nation of Israel, uh, both when they were, were in captivity in Egypt, but also what's going to happen to them again with captivity in Assyria and Babylon. And he says this leading up to it. This is, the, this is from the Lord in verses uh, three through six. It says this, for this is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing and without money, you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. At first, my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately, Assyria has oppressed them. And now what do I have here? declares the Lord. For my people have been taken away for nothing and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. All and all day long, my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. That's from God saying, in that moment then, when you come out of that captivity, that's where the very next verse is, blessed are those the feet on the mountains of those who bring good news. We see even as he continues on, as we talk about, wait, what is the good news? What, what, what is happening? What is bringing? I think it's funny that right there, even in the moment, Isaiah said, blessed is those who bring good news, yet he's actually the first person bringing good news. So he's kind of saying his feet are beautiful. Just, we're going to throw that out there. Isaiah, sorry, I had to call you out on that. Um, but we see even in verse 9, as he continues on, Isaiah talking now, says, Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, or of Israel. For the Lord has confronted his people, or comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. So what is the good news, even in the midst of this moment? While there's captivity that's happened, while captivity is going on in that moment, the good news, after saying the entire time, hey, there's more captivity coming, the good news is God will send a redeemer. It's not going to end there. We're not just going to stay in captivity forever because God is sending a redeemer. And we see this as we, as we pick it up then in the New Testament. We're going to jump ahead to Romans because Paul, as he's writing the letter to the Romans, references this verse again and puts it in context. And I love Romans. Uh, for those of you who, if you're looking for just a book of the Bible that, that makes it all make the most sense, you have to read all of it at some point. But if you're looking for an awesome place to start to be like, all right, here's the deal. I need you to put the Old Testament and Jesus all together. Romans does an amazing job of, of connecting the dots between the Old Testament and the Gospels and saying, this is what it meant when it was prophesied here. This is what Jesus did. And this is what it means for you today. And what Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 10, verses, verse 9, and then we'll jump through a couple, get down to verse uh, 15. It says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe if, no one, or if they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's where he references that Isaiah verse to them as he puts it into context. First of all, what he does here is he lays out, first and foremost, the plan of salvation. That verse 9, we, we talk about a lot even in church. You may, have, you may have heard it where it says, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That's not just like a really cool company line that churches have. It's actually scripture. It's what, what Paul, how he lays it out in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He says, if you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth. That's what it takes. That's how you can, how you can have the gift that the Redeemer has given in that moment. The Redeemer has come. His name is Jesus. 
That's the fulfillment of it. The second part of that, though, is our role. And that's where I want to camp out for a while today. Our role, and our role as Christians, is to bring good news. Our role as Christians is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world that we're living in. So the question for us today, I know we already asked it once and we're going to ask it a few times. How beautiful are your feet? What do your feet bring to the situation? Because when you think about it, your feet are communicating something, whether we want to believe it or not. Even when we don't move and do absolutely nothing, we're communicating that we're doing nothing. Either we don't care enough about it, therefore we're not moving, or we don't know what to do and it's frozen us, so we've decided to stay right there. There's other people, and then it's craziness when you look at the tragedies around us. I mean, again, you don't even have to go that far to look for examples when you've got shootings in Orlando just a couple of weeks ago. You've got a bombing just last week in the Istanbul airport. Um, there's, there's stuff happening all over the place. And when you look at the scene of those, those moments, that chaos that is there, there's always different groups of people that are showing up. There's people that are, that are flocking there because um, they're there to offer opinions, right? The, immediately when things happen, I don't know if, if people just, like news agencies have people on site in every community across the world. So the moment that it happens, you can go to somebody live, but it's like, they, they flock there and all of a sudden there's opinions and it's, it's how to handle things better or how it could have been prevented. But in that moment, you're sitting there going, news agencies, you talking about it isn't actually helping anyone in the situation right now. There's also people that are showing up just to gawk. There's, they're, they're just, they, they want to see what's going on. We see this all the time when, when you see flashing lights, even here in our own communities, everybody slows down to look, whether it's an accident or somebody just getting pulled over. You're like, ooh, do I know him? Do I know him? Do I know him? And everyone's stopping to look for a moment. And again, they're not people that have any intention to actually help the situation or, or be a part of the situation. They're just showing up to watch and to look. But what's so cool in all of those situations, when you look closely, when the rest of, when the rest of society is running out of, of the chaos, there's people that are heroes that are running into the middle of the chaos because they're going to help. They're going because they've been trained to neutralize the threat and to save lives. And um, here we are even, we're, we're talking about shoes, we're talking about footwear, we're talking about feet. Um, these, are, these are the boots of my buddy Mark. Um, my buddy Mark, uh, is, he's a police detective, but he's also a member of the SWAT team uh, right here in, in our own community. And uh, um, I probably wouldn't say nobody is, who's been looking at these up here have been like, oh, wow, those are beautiful shoes uh, that are there. Um, but I'll tell you what, to the people in the midst of chaos, um, people when smoke is filling the room and they don't know what to do and where to go, uh, these boots running into that room is the most beautiful thing you could ever see. And I want to even, even take a moment now, here we are on the 4th of July, it's our Independence Day. And just say thank you to those of you, whether you've been in the military um, and you've, you've been on the other side of the world to help fight for our freedoms. Whether you're National Guard and you've stayed here to stay and, and say, no, 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 I will fight here and make sure that our freedom stays. Whether you're in law enforcement or fire department, whatever it may be, to help um, preserve the freedoms that are here, I just want to say thank you. And I think even this moment, let's give them a hand of, of applause. Thank you for all that you do. I think... Um, we as Christians, 
When we look at the, the word picture of, of chaos, and then we look at what it means in our lives and what's happening in the world around us, um, our shoes should look more like this. Our spiritual shoes should look more like this. It's, it's time for us to, to take things seriously and, and realize it's not about a newscaster showing up to give an opinion. It's not about showing up as a church and saying, hey, this is what we believe and we're just going to stand here the entire time. Um, we, we need to do that. People need to know, but they need to know by our action. They need less newscasters and more people going into the chaos. We need less Gucci and a little bit more grime every now and then in the midst of it, running into the middle of the chaos. And um, so again... The question is, um, what are your feet bringing to the situation? We have the answer. Just like those men and women are trained to go into the middle of it and neutralize the chaos and save lives, we have the answer to run into the middle of the chaos and bring peace to the moment. We have the, we have the answer to bring salvation so how much more should we be um, running into the middle of the chaos when they're saving physical lives, but we understand there's a soul that's there for eternity and we get to save someone's eternity. How much more should we be passionate about running into the middle of it? As a matter of fact, we see in Matthew chapter 28, if you've been a part of River Valley Church, you know the Great Commission. You've heard the Great Commission before where Jesus says after he's, after he's died and rose again and he's giving kind of final directions to his disciples, he says, go and make disciples. And we talk about that a lot. We did an entire series on the word go. It was there. Our, our kids ministry is called Go Kids. Like we, we love the word go. In that statement though, when you kind of parse it out, even though go is a command, when you parse out the statement, that sentence, the, the command of that sentence, the, the point of the focal point of the sentence is actually make disciples. It could, be, it could be translated from the Greek even better almost as as you go or when you go. Because in that moment, the go was a given. It wasn't like, he, it wasn't like Jesus was saying to the disciples in the moment, hey, you guys really need to go and you've got to go tell people about the gospel. That part they knew, they understood, they were with Jesus. He modeled that. They said, all right, we're going to go. We know that we're going to go. That's part of who we are. That's, that's the message that we have. We have to. But what do we do when we get there? And that's when God is saying, go and make disciples. So the question again is, if your feet want to be beautiful, is are your feet active? Is your faith active? Because if your faith, if your feet are not walking, your faith is not working. Think about that. If your feet are not walking, your faith is not working. We are called to be active. I'll even go a step further and say, if your faith is not active, as huge of a question that is, your faith is not biblical. Because what God calls us to do, what scripture calls us to do is go into all the world and be active. Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. James 2 says it this way. He says in verse 14, says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. What he's saying here, and again, hear me in this. You're not saved by works. You're not saved by, by anything that you do. We talk, Romans says, all it means to be saved is if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saved. That's all that it takes. 
But if you are truly saved and then you understand what you've been saved from, the next step then is to put that into action. Because if you actually have faith in Christ, if you actually say, I want to make you Lord of my life, therefore I will follow the commands that you have for me, then you start moving immediately. Your feet start walking as your faith starts working. So again, I would even, a quick quote from, um, and I thought about using this, it's, it's from Penn Jillette. Um, he's, he's a very, very outspoken atheist. And I thought about, do I use it? Do I not? Uh, but Pastor Darren used Gandhi last week, so I figured I can use an atheist this week. Um, but he said, he said this. He said, I'm offended when Christians don't evangelize. Okay, think about it. This is a guy who's very, very outspoken, probably to the point of obnoxiously outspoken about his atheism, that he believes there is no God and thinks that people that believe it are crazy. But yet he says, if you truly believe what you think and you tell me you believe and you know that I am going to hell and you don't tell me about it, I'm more offended by that than you just sitting at home doing nothing about it. This is from an atheist. So the question is, how much more than knowing what we believe, knowing what we've been saved from, should we be going out and telling people about Jesus? There's so many ways that you can get involved. There's so many ways that you can get plugged in. If you're like, man, I don't know, I can't, I can't do it by myself. I can't go out on my own. Um, we here, or we're here as a church to be a light to the world. We're here to bring peace and the good news. Get involved in church. Get involved in a life team. Get involved in a life group. There's, there's local projects, life groups, where you can do stuff as a group together so that, that if you don't have, if you can't do it on your own right away, step out in a team, step out in a group, get involved here at the church. You can get involved in your community. We've got Serve Your City coming up. We just talked about it. It's on the 16th. Get involved. It's like a mini missions trip right here. In case you're wondering, if you've never been on a global team, that's what we do on all of our global teams. We go and we serve the community. And people show up and they say, wait, you came all the way from America to serve us? And we're like, yes, because we love you. Because this is what Jesus has called us to do. You get to do the exact same thing here. And people will be like, wait a second, you're using your Saturday to get together with your church and, and pull weeds at, at, at a park? Why are you doing that? Because we love you. Because Jesus calls us to. He calls us to action. I'd even say this though, I think we need to take a step further and, and ask ourselves in our personal lives, what are we doing to take the message of, of good news? The gospel of hope. We're in the perfect season to do it. Summertime is a time where Minnesotans are finally outside. We love our backyards. We love, we love to grill out. We love the sun for both weeks that we get to see it, right? People are outside. This is the opportunity that we have. But I heard this analogy and it, it, it kind of jumped out at me is I heard somebody say once, the garage door is our modern day moat. When you think about it, the medieval times, you'd build your castle and you'd dig this deep moat and you'd fill it with water and you'd put like alligators and crocodiles and stuff like that in there. And then you would come up, they would lower the gate, you would go into your castle and they would pull up the gate so that nobody could bother you. Now today, what we do is, is we open our garage door when we come home from work, we pull into the garage and we close the world out behind us never to go back outside so nobody bothers us. That's not the way that God has called us to live. God has called us to be active, to go out, to, to be in our communities, to go after those who, who may not know, to share our faith. Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have the good news. It's the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We have peace in this crazy time of destruction. We've got good tidings in the midst of chaos. 
proclaiming salvation in the midst of moral decay, because in the end, as that verse ends with, so that others can proclaim your God reigns. They see what it's all about. They know what it is. So again, as we take a look at our feet and say, are your feet beautiful? Are they proclaiming the gospel? Not do you have manicures and pedicures and all your toes are good. Not do you like your shoes today? But when God looks at your feet, does he say, those are beautiful feet? Because they bring the message of hope. They bring the message of the gospel. And I want us to do this. Um, Even as we close, I'm just gonna ask each and every one of you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Because before we even get into the challenge that I have for you, I want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. So today, even as you've been, been listening to this, maybe, maybe in your mind, you're like, I don't know if I've ever taken that step and made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. We read about it in Romans. Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, all you have to do is believe with your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. If you've never done that today, your opportunity is right now. This is the moment. I don't want anyone to be able to leave this room without at least having the chance to say, God, I want you to be the savior of my life. If the redeemer has come, I want to give that opportunity right now. If that's you and you say, I want to make that commitment with nobody looking around, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The second thing is for those of you who Thank you. You can put your hands down. Second thing is this. For those of you who have already made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, my challenge today is I believe that there's too many of us that have grown complacent with our Christianity. We've stopped being intentional intentional about what God has called us to do, and that's to spread the message of hope. And I'm going to do this. It's, it's a little bit different. And I know your, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, but I'm going to ask you to do this. And this may sound crazy. It is a little bit crazy, but it's a call to action. So we get to do it. While you have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to take off a shoe. I'm doing it as well. Some of you can just slip it off. But that shoe that you have represents this. And I want us to pray and ask God, who am I supposed to go to? Who am I? God may give you a name. God may give you a place. It may be at your office. It may be at a family reunion. There may be a friend or a family member that you know that you're supposed to go to. But I want us to take a minute, even as we pray and say, God, give me that place. We talked about we want, we want to be a church that prophesies. We want to be able to hear God's voice and communicate it. And this is a moment for us as Christians to say, God, give me that place. I want to hear your voice. Where are you going to send me? And when you have that, after we pray, you can put your shoe back on. But let me just pray even right now for that. God, I pray in this moment that we hear your voice. That this isn't something we just read 
and we get challenged and we say, wow, that was challenging. And we walk out and we don't actually change. But Lord God, we change who we are. We accept the call and we go to the places that you have called us to go. So God, today, as you see these shoes that are here, you see the feet that are now exposed, the feet that, that we want to be beautiful because we want them to be taking the message of hope today. God, I pray that you speak to us. Show us where to go. Give us the place to go. God, so that we can follow you wherever we go, wherever you call us to be. We commit, we recommit to going wherever you've called us to go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.